I'm Natalie Pika, here with Glenn Royal, partners with RHP. Happy New Year, and welcome to our first podcast of 2021. Most of you know that Glenn is our portfolio manager who oversees our actively managed portfolio strategies. Today, we want to discuss a most historical market year that was 2020 and how we're looking ahead to 2021. As 2020 began, the U.S. economy was in the midst of its longest expansion on record, and then the GDP contracted by 31% in the second quarter as a result of the pandemic. As dramatic as the declines in GDP and payroll employment were, the policy response to the pandemic was equally unprecedented, with governments and central banks worldwide injecting literally trillions of dollars into the global economy via coordinated fiscal and monetary stimulus programs. The market's preference for growth over value accelerated during this turbulence. Now, some analysts are calling for a 4% real GDP for 2021, when the average is somewhere between 2 and 2.5%. Two and so, Glenn, what are your thoughts uh, about where we're going with GDP and, and just overall economic growth as we look ahead to 2021? Good to be here, Natalie. It's good to see you as always. Uh, glad to be part of this podcast. Um, I'll tell you, uh, in, in that light, we expect strong economic growth this year, fueled by federal banker stimulus and government spending that will continue. So expect a really strong this year. Uh, actually, consensus GDP estimates for by, uh, via Bloomberg is about 3.9% growth expectations. Uh, from a negative growth expectation last year. Uh, but we think that those consensus numbers are going to be pushed higher. Goldman Sachs, because of the recent stimulus bill, you had $700 billion that came in December. We think with the new Democratic-controlled uh, Senate, uh, 50-50, you're going to see uh, another $750 billion come out, which will be an additional stimulus checks and other programs. These funds have now caused us Goldman Sachs to raise their GDP forecasts to 6.4% in 2021. That's not the high on the street, but it is one of the higher. So what we expect is estimates for GDP growth to come up through this year, which should bode well and lift the market. And so when we get into that idea of how hot the market might actually be running and what this recovery looks like, what does that do with the Fed and raising rates? You know, we're gonna be far from a 2% inflation far from target unemployment. I mean, let's talk a little bit about that and what that's going to look like. Um, and, and if we are going to get any inflation, how long the, the Fed's going to let that run, let the economy run kind of hot? Yeah, you know, that's that's the big question today that's seeped into the markets. And I had thought of it as like a inflation is a risk, uh, we'll call it a fat tail risk, way out there on the horizon. but something potential to look for. And what we're starting to see in this market is expectations of inflation are now running higher towards 2% that's being priced in the market. Uh, that The Fed has two mandates. Uh, we're the only central bank that has that. We have the mandate of full employment, and we also have the mandate of keeping inflation in check. Most other central banks around the world just focus on inflation. So let's go back a few years in December of 18 when you had the Fed raising rates because employment was full employment. We were 4%. Mm -hmm. right. Things were hot. Caused the Fed to start to raise rates. The economy couldn't help hold it. We rolled back over. This time around, the Fed has already told the street, told everyone, 
that we're going to keep rates low for the foreseeable future. We're going to let inflation run north of 2%, this asymmetrical target. If inflation was our 2% target before, we're looking to average 2%. Since we're below that, we're going to let have to run hotter than 2.5% mm-hmm. in order to get to that 2% average. So the Fed's going to let the numbers run hot, but here's the big picture about inflation. Most of it's dominated by employment. It's wage base that causes most inflation. You still are at unemployment rates of some 8%. So we don't see any inflationary pressures, real ones, taken off for really another couple of years, if that, because we haven't had it for the last 30. Um, That's going to be the interesting wild card. It has us looking at it's putting pressure on the on the, in the government bond market, U.S. Treasuries. You're seeing the yield curve steepen by that. We simply mean that longer maturities, 30 years now, 10 plus years now, have increased, yields have gone higher, prices have gone down than the lower maturity. So that steepening of the yield curve is a positive sign. It's a positive sign that we have economic growth in front of us. So in the middle of all of this volatility and everything we've been through, we've seen the market's preference for growth over value um, really accelerate during the turbulence. But now, where do you think we are? We've heard people say the, the, the great rotation. Where are we going from here, right? Are we broadening out? Is that recovery? Yeah, broad? that's the big, big head fake, right? We, we've, we've gone to, we think value's coming back the last several years, and we'll, we'll, you'll see the market shift towards value names and they, they don't work, it goes back to technology. And we're in a situation where, where the economy, if it's kind of just buzzing along at 2%, not real growth, not negative, just kind of stagnant growth at 2%, which we've been since 2008, a little mm-hmm. period of 2010 on the stimulus bump, then it faded out. But when that happens, we go to growth. What companies are providing the growth? Which companies are earning, giving us cash flow power, pricing power? That's your tech companies, over and over again. So in the U.S., we're dominated in the S&P 500 by technology companies, 28% of the market cap. Right. That's why we've led the market for the last dozen years, the U.S., because of this high value waiting towards tech. Where I think we're seeing for the first time is you've got a couple things going on. One is you've got interest rates went to zero, mm-hmm. right? So we think rates are going to start lifting, or they are lifting, they'll continue to go. That starts to favor broader broader assets. It starts to favor those companies that are early in the stages of an economic recovery, uh, the cyclicality of that recovery. We call these cyclical stocks. This is something we've talked in our last conversations right. about. Mm-hmm. We see that group of cyclical stocks. These are your natural resources, your automobiles, those early phase recovery stocks. They're starting to go. That's your your cyclical. And then you're starting to see the value component, which has really been banks. Banks have just taken off. Energy stocks have taken off. Uh, that, I think, the market for the first time that I've seen in 12 years may actually be on the precipice of this regime change, this leadership change from these high-tech stocks to these value and cyclical stocks, more cyclical than value. So that's how we're starting to position the portfolio. Uh, we're actually underweight technology a little bit and more overweight industrials, materials, those kind of early stage recovery uh, stocks. And also the benefit is international. We see the emerging markets 
as long as the dollar stays in tame, it's been under pressure, mm -hmm. it stays a little tame, that economic growth continues, and emerging markets are in a real sweet spot. So, yes, <laughs> long way, I've been wanting to answer, mm -hmm. but the long way is uh, we think we might be on the precipice of this change, and it's probably been going on the last couple of months underneath our feet. And so when we look back at all of these tech companies and, and the expansion in the S&P 500 and all of that that's been there, it's, it's just high flyers. Um, do you think valuations are out of control? What happens when speculation leaves this market? Does speculation <laughs> leave the market? Yeah, yeah well, it's never a good thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, speculation is part of it, uh, but I'm making an investment case, all those things. But, uh, you know, the question is, are we in a bubble? You know, that's, that's where people are wondering. You're starting to hear, are these tech stocks, these high valuations, all these things created a bubble? And you can, we can argue no, we're not, based on the current valuation. Yes, we're at 98th percentile on most metrics in terms of valuation. But you have a zero interest rate environment, a very low interest rate environment that feeds into that and those valuation numbers. As long as interest rates stay low, then we can support these valuation numbers. We don't have any reason to believe that interest rates are going to go greatly higher the next few years. So we think we can still support this market. Could we bubble from here? Absolutely. There is no question about that. But I don't think we're here yet. Okay. So we know the market's always forward thinking. It's always ahead. What sectors do you think still have the, the ability to continue to run right now? What's going to be favored other, over other things, potentially? Well, interesting. When you look at, you know, I talk about this leadership change, this regime change from growth to value. Whenever these things happen, they have legs, multiple year legs, one over the other. Mm. We'll see if this occurs this time, but historically they have. In that light, I think even though banks have taken off, uh, the financial service companies, uh, energy's looking a little attractive, I think, to some extent. But I, I think the opportunity right now is probably still in those financials. Uh, and I still see natural resources, your basic materials, your aggregate cements and all that, those type of companies ought to do well too. There's potential for a huge infrastructure bill, better today than four years ago when we first thought it was going to come. Uh, you're, there's a lot of interest in both parties, and what you've seen in politics is a move towards the middle. So the, anything big that's going to happen has to have those moderates control, and we think that whole group is in favor of infrastructure programs. Uh, how will they pay for it? Tax increase on corporations. Mm-hmm. Well, and that sort of brings us full circle. Um, we have to address where we are from a political standpoint, what that, that looks like for the markets going forward. Um, we are having a change in the White House. So can you speak to that just a little bit? I, I just kind of hit on a little bit. It's that move towards moderation in politics. Uh, I go back. And to the Reagan years, and if you look then, whenever one party came into the White House, they had big numbers in their respective parties in control of uh, either the Senate or the House. So wide numbers that gave that president a lot of power to do things. This time around, since that time, since Reagan, we've seen that a kind of a, a almost 
instead of these wide advantages, they've collapsed. The last election, you saw the big pickup of Republicans in the in the House. They went from over 30 seat deficit to only 11 seats. Mm -hmm. If you look over at the Senate, the ones that are in control right now are the moderates. It's the mansions out of West Virginia. Those are the ones in control. Uh, so I, I'm not expecting big changes on tax policies, et cetera, that require broad, because I don't see a moderate Democrat necessarily wanting to do that in the Senate. But I do see things at the margin, so I, I'm pretty optimistic that what will happen will be favorable for markets, financial conditions, infrastructure bills, things like that. Uh, the tax changes that occur, we talk about how do you pay for that infrastructure program. You know, the corporate tax rate was reduced from you know low 30s, 32% down to 21. That was probably more than most people had expected, lower than, I think, standing in the world in the corporate tax rate. So if we go back to that 26, 27, 28 range, um, that still puts us competitive as a global basis. And it won't do a lot of damage to the market. Uh, companies will be able to recover those earnings fairly quickly, I think, from that tax hit. So that's not, I don't see anything on the horizon that makes me concerned. What I see is uh, a, a Congress and a White House that perhaps will calm down a little bit on trade rhetoric, calm down a little bit on certain uh, conversations that are disruptive to the markets, and with the support of these central bankers and those politicians spending money, it makes you pretty excited about the, the potential for this year. I've joked with a few, and I, I'm kind of dead serious about it, too, is that I think we might be entering the roaring 20s again, just mm -hmm. a different version of it. Okay. Wow. Well, that sure wraps up a lot. I mean, it, it's hard to encapsulate 2020 in any one conversation. And then to even think about where we are starting out, 21's already been a little rocky, right? But the markets... And we are, made it five days. And the markets are holding <laughs> in. Right. You know, so um, it's, it's good to be optimistic looking forward. Um, I still want to have some excitement about 2021 as we... I do. Forward. I'm very excited. I, I, you know, and so let's, the one caveat that really set me back this week... We've had a lot of things that we haven't seen in modern times. Uh, you just saw the capital situation. On the day the capital situation occurred, the market was up. <laughs> Tell me that. Help me understand that myself. I've been doing this almost 40 years. I would have never expected that. The market was up. And when we look at something called market breadth, it's a technical indicator that tells us how many stocks are setting new highs versus others setting new lows. And it's an important indicator of the wide dispersion of participation in the market, not just narrow markets. Right. Those are weak. Right. Broad ones are strong. Market breadth is strong. On the day the capital was attacked, 18% of the stocks in the S&P 500 set new highs. That's a strong number. The day after, when different thoughts we're talking about removing the president, 20% of the stock set new highs. Why is that all happening? Because it sees 6% GDP growth support from the government that's coming with the Democrat-controlled Congress, more money than we would have expected. You just saw that whole issue around the paychecks at the end of last year. Mm -hmm. You're going to get your 2000 You'll get you know, 1400 bucks in addition to six you just got. That's all coming, so we're. It makes me very excited about this year. So I, I'm, uh, 
I'm trying to contain my enthusiasm over here. <laughs> Well, Curb thank you. Right? I appreciate these conversations so much, and I know that our listeners do as well. Um, and Glenn and I just want to thank you for listening to RHP Market Talk. Here at Royal Harbor Partners, we want you to feel confident about your financial future. You need a plan that offers a clear path forward. Financial markets and financial planning is complex, and we believe you deserve to have confidence that you have secured your family's financial future. We've devoted ourselves to our relationships with multi-generational families, helping them create successful legacies. We do this through one-on-one conversations that shape your personal wealth management and investment plan. Then we execute with ongoing support to make sure your personalized plan comes to fruition. Call us today or visit our website at www.royalharborpartners.com to start your conversation. Royal Harbor Partners is a registered investment advisor, and the opinions expressed by Royal Harbor Partners on this show are their own. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.